we had a guest this morning and it was cool because he, I was walking down the stairs and he said to me, he said, are you preaching today? I said, I don't know. And he kind of looked at me like, what? You know, like, and I was like, kind of up to the Lord, what happens in here? So, um, so I don't really ascribe to the like reading a bunch of commentaries and trying to figure out how to sound smart before you guys. I'd rather just spend some time with the Holy Spirit and if he leads, he leads and he's already led in profound ways this morning. (laughs) Changing people. Um, I think, but first I just wanted to repent because yesterday the Lord just really helped me. He helped me see some areas in my heart that yet do not live the grace that I believe in. And um, all it took was a few headlines for my emotions, negative emotions, to kind of start to consume me. And at one point I was even like almost joyful that Jesus throws people in hell. Um, and that, I, and I repent because I, I know that, but that's absolutely the wrong mentality. Um, because what Jesus was able to do was he was able to speak truth in his day to a people who were ultimately going to kill him and who ultimately stood in opposition to everything he did. And yet he stood afar and he wept over the city of Jerusalem. So he wasn't afraid to say the truth and he wasn't afraid to walk the truth and he wasn't afraid to be the truth. But he also wasn't retribution and vengeance. Um, And he wasn't consumed by his negative emotions. He was stable in all his ways. And the reason he was stable in all his ways was because he was love. And what I realized in my own heart yesterday was not that I was condemned in that thought. Like I wasn't, Jesus didn't condemn me and say, I can't believe you want people to go to hell. Because on one side of this equation, I do rejoice that there is justice. You have to, because the smoke of the torment of those who are cast into the lake of fire rises forever before the Lamb of God. So part of heaven is actually the smoke of hell rising up and saying, I'm a just God. And the truth is, if I have family members who are burning in that smoke, my heart and my praise will still be for the Lord. Because he is ultimately holy and righteous and just. But what I don't have is I don't have a perfect filter on planet earth to be able to rejoice in that righteously. Because my filter is still tainted by my ego. It's still tainted by my agenda. It's still tainted by my self-centeredness. So when something doesn't go my way, that doesn't mean that I have the right then to rejoice that hell exists. You follow what I'm saying? And so, you know, I was just, I was talking with the Lord a lot yesterday and texting my wife and asking her to give me some truth back. You need that. Like when you start going down this path, when you know, like things are getting a little jacked up, you need somebody in your life that'll speak some truth, you know, and don't go find somebody who'll sympathize with you. Mm-hmm. Wrong move. Like, exactly. I want to, no, 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 me too. Yeah. Oh, you know, and like by the time you've done that conversation, you're both in hell. Like. So I don't mean that literally, but I'm just saying you need people in your life that will speak the truth when you're going the wrong direction. So 
I just bring that up because I know in the, by the Lord and by the Spirit that the church today is down across the nation. And here's why. We've come to live and believe and operate based on what we think as opposed to based on what he says. Amen. Okay, so if a, if a fellowship is teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, but they're teaching people how to think like the guy who's preaching, That's right. they're actually doing people an in in, in injustice. Amen. Because if, if I was just to teach you to think like me, then you're going to be depressed when I'm depressed. You're going to be upset when I'm upset. You're going to be failing when I'm failing. So what, what, what we're supposed to do, what Second Peter says, is you're actually supposed to bring the flock to a place where they learn from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you actually don't need a teacher anymore because right. you have the Holy Spirit right. to teach you. So what's happened, though, is it's just a beautiful manifestation of the principles of the truth of the Word of God. How does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? Through suggestion. That's what he does. The way that he steals, kills, and destroys is he uses language. It's through communication. That's how he began, remember? He didn't go in the garden and start macheteing down Adam and Eve. He wasn't running around trying to shoot them or punch them or hit them with a machete. He came with knowledge. So that's suggestion. It's language. You can see the manifestation of the power of demonic language in the media. So like whatever message gets pounded, 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 pounded. And there's actually, here's a method that is implemented by people in the media. Tell a lie long enough and no one will know the truth. It's, it's honestly, that's, it's a manifest, it's a manifesto. That's, they've determined through Marxism that if I tell you a lie enough times, pretty soon you have no bearing on where was the truth in the beginning. So you just run with it. And so since Satan is the father of lies, I'll tell you, here's the power of language. For me, as a steadfast Christian who's born again and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it took about three headlines for my emotions to get tangled. That's the power of suggestion. It's the power that's found in what I obtain by my eye. What do I read and what do I absorb? It showed me immediately, this is how powerful demonic language is. Because when my emotions got tangled, now my faith disappeared. You follow me? Like the minute my emotions were the center, now my faith is way down. Right? And, and the Lord, is, it, was, it was an awesome thing because he wasn't condemning. He said, I'm taking you from grace to grace. Here's an area of your life where my grace isn't yet manifesting. And here's an area in your life where you're trying to walk by sight. And he said to me, I don't do things by sight. That's good. That's good. So honestly, I, I want to tell you guys this. Kim Clement's prophecy in 2007. Many of you know it. Many of you have listened to it. He prophesied that President Trump would be elected to a second term. But in that prophecy, here's what he said. I, the Lord, will fool the people. And of all the part of that prophecy that I listened to, that's the piece that stood out to me. Because, you know, it's not about with me and like with us and the Lord. It's not about the results of things that we see. It's about the Lord's character and what is he carrying out. That's right. 
Right? So let me ask you this. Is God more concerned with the stock market or people's lives? Right? Is he more concerned about, you know, how the government's going to flow or more concerned with how each individual on planet Earth will receive him? Right? So we get confused by it because we start to look at the wrong thing. And so we don't see what he's trying to see. And I just want to share this prophetic dream the Lord gave me. Thursday night, we had the fellowship time up at the, at the ranch. I went to sleep and I woke up, that, woke up that morning from this dream. I'm in the dream and I'm walking in a beautiful courtyard with gates and colonnades. And President Trump and another of his advisors walks up to me. It's two men. And President Trump, I began to speak life into him. I began to speak Words of encouragement, words of, we know that you've put together what you needed to put together. You've done things nobody knows about, you know, and, I, and so I began to speak these words to him. And the interesting thing was we were actually seeing um, the underbelly of the workings of this past four years administration. And what it was, was all these conveyor belts of things that had been moved, like judges, long-term you know, establishment of our Supreme Court, just all these little things that have happened over the last four years. The pro-life movement, the rescuing of thousands of child sex trafficking victims that nobody likes to talk about, the, the African-American people, and all these things on this conveyor belt were just like, these are the things that have happened. But the interesting thing was, on the conveyor belt in the bottom was a separate conveyor belt that was taking the trash... Out of the workings of this administration. And nobody knew about it. Nobody could see it. And I could see this conveyor belt. And it, was, it looked like dust and dirt and fuzz bunnies and all that stuff. And so it represented a cleansing that had been taking place. And the, the, um, the, the guy, the advisor to President Trump, I was talking to him and he was right in my face. And I said, had this not taken place, the destiny of this nation wouldn't have become what it's to become. It was this conveyor belt of dust and dirt that was being removed that nobody knew about. And that's what I began to speaking in President Trump. I said, it's the small things you've done and allowed to be done that have shifted and changed the trajectory of this, of this nation. He takes me by the hand. And in the dream, I can feel his hand on my hand. That's how real this thing was. And like in Haiti, it's so cool because if a guy wants to really have a conversation with another guy, they'll grab hands and they'll be walking down the street. You know, it's not a homosexual thing. It's, hey, we're in this. Let's talk about this. This is what we need. And it's almost like it's such a cool picture to me. And so in this dream, I'm now holding President Trump's hand and we walk into this courtyard. And what I knew was he needed strength. That's what I knew. And it was just like I was a channel, like a conduit of strength that was just feeding him, feeding him, feeding him. And it was like right out of that, I wake up out of the dream. And I, you know, I just, it was so clear to me that I was like, Lord, how many Christians last night took President Trump by the hand? Right? I'm just one guy, like in a dream. But how many people have taken him by the hand? And here's what shifted for me. What shifted was, I'm no longer concerned about Trump as my president. My heart shifted and said, I'm concerned about President Trump as my brother. That's what it was. It was, it was like, take me by the hand. Do you care about my heart? Do you care about my family? Do you care about my life? And I'll tell you one thing. Jesus is much more concerned for our president's heart and his family and his mind than he is about what office he holds anyway. 
And the same is true of Biden, and the same is true of Harris, and the same is true of Pence, the same is true of all of us that sit in this room. And not one of us in this room is a lesser person than one of them. They put their britches on like we do. I mean, it literally is. We are as equal as equal can be under the blood of Christ. But we have to, as a body of Christ, start to get a perspective that, that levels this playing field and keeps us out of places of fear. Because we need to be able to weep for people's destinies. Not weep because of things that are happening. It's a big difference. And in Luke chapter 7, this is so wild to me because this wasn't even on my radar at all. And Josh, in April, the Lord during worship, I feel like I need to share this word with you right now. While we were worshiping and Ronnie was singing, um, Josh, the Lord specifically singled you out. And I had this like quick vision of you. And it was similar to like, I don't know, like in the movie Braveheart, you know, William Wallace has some guys that are around him. And some of the guys that are around William Wallace were simply there because of their strength their knowledge, their ability, but they weren't necessarily the voice behind what was happening, you know, in Scotland. And I felt like what the Lord showed me, Josh, is that you were created to be strong and to carry the load and to carry the burden because who you spend time with feels stronger because you're around. And to both of you, the Lord said they are excellent parents. And just as a mother, April, I just saw the Lord. He was so pleased with how you've mothered and who you are. And your kids are just an excellent representation of you guys caring and loving. You're doing the best that you know how to do with what you have. And so I just hear the favor of the Lord over your family is going to only increase. Because Josh, you're raising up sons to be who you are. Like who they're around are going to feel stronger because they're there. And April, you're raising your daughter. You guys are raising this family. Your daughter is going to become this worshiping, just incredible, joy-filled, innocent young lady in the body of Christ. And so... I just want to encourage you guys like you're literally living out. And even though day to day it feels like what in the world are we doing? Jesus has it. And he's, he's carrying you guys into a beautiful place. Yeah. Amen. Which and, and even part of that was Luke 7. Like when I, I got that and I came to Luke 7 and it says soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. The town's name, Nain, comes from a Hebrew word, Nah. And that Hebrew word is lovely. So Jesus walked into a town called lovely, you know, and he said, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. You know, I just hear Jesus is out in the countryside. He's like, hey, let's head over to lovely. We've got something to do. <laughs> so they head over. He says, as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched her, and he touched the bier, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The the word the Lord gave me just this morning to share with us is, 
Before there ever was a problem, there was a solution. Before there was ever death, there was life. So, before there was ever difficulty, obstacles, there was destiny. See, the Lord declares the end from the beginning. He doesn't declare the end with the beginning. He declares the end from the beginning. So, he literally, the Lord knows the end because the end is actually the beginning. The end is the beginning. What is the end of all humanity? A garden with Jesus for eternity. Well, that's how it started. And that's where it'll be. And so, you know, before any death ever could occur, there was life. Because God breathed life onto the people in planet Earth. He didn't breathe life and say, well, here's life and pretty soon you'll die. Death was a product of sin. And so through communication, the devil sowed death into life. All he had to do was get Adam and Eve convinced. And the moment they believed in his communication, death was sown. Nothing's changed. Why do you think the Bible says, have your eyes single? Guard your heart. Have your ears. Do you have ears to hear? You got eyes to see? Why does the Lord constantly say, Jesus says this, if you have ears to hear. Why would he say that? Because he knows how powerful communication is. He knows how powerful language is. In fact, he said, it's the power of life or the power of death. It's found in the tongue. It's found in headlines. It's found in Facebook. It's found in YouTube. It's found in the church. It's found all over everywhere. But you need to have ears to hear in this season in a realm that you don't exist in. See, we exist in a realm that's not, this is not my home. This is not where I exist. I'm not, this is my body and this is earth and I'm a part of it. But that's not who I am. I'm actually seated in heavenly places at the throne room of God, boldly approaching him in the grace, covered under the blood, listening for my king and my bridegroom saying, hey, my bride, do this, go here, say these things. These are the things that I want to carry out on planet earth. So I have to have an ear to hear that. And here's the problem. When I think I'm part of this, I let my ear be consumed with this. And now I'm succumbing myself to this and forgetting that I'm actually a part of that. So the Lord is literally saying to us in this time, you are in a town called Lovely. This is the prophetic word of the Lord today. You are in the town called Lovely. Stop letting the communication of the spiritual realm convince you that you're anywhere else. Because in the town called Lovely, dead people rise. In the town called Lovely, Christ shows up at the gates. The place of governmental authority. He's saying this is a governmental authority. He came to the gates of the city of Lovely. And guess what he found in the government of of name? Death. The only son of a mother who was a widow. And he said, oh, no, no, no. This town has a destiny. This town has a future. This town is lovely. And this day is going to be lovely. Stop the casket. I have something to say. 
And I'm saying prophetically over this nation, stop the casket. I have something to say. Get up, arise, as the scripture was read this morning. For the glory of the Lord has shone upon you. You are not, as Kathy said, waiting for a solution. You are the solution. You're not waiting for the gates of heaven to be opened. You're the gate of heaven. You're not waiting for Jesus to reign. He rules and reigns from within me. A springing well of living water that can come out of my mouth. And I can tell the people in the casket, get up today. Because the sun on this nation is just arisen. And I am 100% convinced of it. 100%. Because it's lovely. Right? And so the demonic who tries to work not only on this national scale, global scale... I mean, honestly, guys, do you really think this election was about this guy and that guy? No, it's all about one world government, one world control. Why? Jesus said so. I'm like, it's not confusing. Like you look, you know, like watch CNN, read your Bible. Oh, yeah. okay. you know, thanks, Lord, for the heads up. Like this was coming. You know, so we know that the hastening of the day of the Lord is going to bring some pretty tough stuff. However, I don't have to buy into the tough stuff and let it change or adjust who I am at all. Because I'm in a town called Lovely and like people who are in the tough stuff need an anchor for their soul. And I have it. I'm holding the chain going, hey, you need an anchor? Here it is. Grab on. Let's go. Like, why are you so lovely? Things are really crap. No, things aren't. Jesus made sure of it 2000 years ago. Things could never, ever be junky for me again. It's impossible. But see, when my communication, what I read, what I heard, this wasn't true yesterday in my truck. Let me rephrase. It wasn't my reality yesterday in my truck. But it was true. Right? And so I know that where there's repentance, where that healing takes place, there is no condemnation. It's an empowerment for me to be actually able to rise above the scenario and the situation. Like Jesus, who can look into it with compassion in his heart and say, with compassion, get up. Get up. And I'm prophetically declaring, I'm prophesying to the church today, get up. Get up. And get loose. You have to break loose from the ball and chain of law and rules and all the garbage that you've been doing. There was nothing this guy could do to get his life back. Jesus didn't grab the casket and he's like, well, if you'd have prayed, if you'd have come to the temple on on five o'clock every night, if you'd have given your best lamb, if you'd have done what you were were said to do, then, hey, maybe I'd do something for you, dead man. He walked up with compassion. He said, get up. Let's go. You got plans. You got a destiny. This town has a destiny and you have to be a part of it. And I'm just saying today, the church has a destiny and it has not shifted. In fact, it's time for us to actually stand up and believe what he said. Not being tossed to and fro by the waves that get thrown our way. And not letting this language in the church and that language in the church divide us. But having compassion on this one and that one. And understanding that guess what? In this, him or him or her or her. I'm just the third part of the triangle. Me, them, him. I mean, who's got it right? Neither, none, nobody. So let's get our eyes off of who's right and not and get our eyes on Jesus and say, you know, he's right. He's faithful. Give me the heart of compassion, Lord. Give me the heart that 
that a, a baby murdering, lying schemer, I could still look them in the face and still love them like Jesus loves them. God help me. Because it doesn't live here unless Christ transforms me. Because when I look at a baby murdering, scheming, lying cheat, the Justin inside me wants justice. My name means justice. So God has actually given me a sense of justice. That's why I pray for D.C. That's why I go to D.C. That's why God has established me as a calling. But some of the greatest callings in our life become the greatest burdens. Because my justice in my flesh is completely void of the compassion of Christ. So the only way to love justice is to do mercy. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like Micah 5.8. He said to love justice and to do mercy. See, as a, as a Christian who has these screwed up filters that are getting transformed and getting less and less and less screwed up filters, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm going to write, I think I'm going to write a paper because I can't get this out of my head. And usually when I can write, I can kind of assemble some things. <laughs> the righteous don't scheme. The righteous don't scheme. So when the schemers are scheming, how do the righteous overcome? That's a conflict within me. I'm like, the only way that times my flesh wants to overcome the scheming and cheating and lying is that we have to scheme and cheat and lie even better. And it's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. So how do you thwart a scheme that somebody sets up three years ago to try to destroy the things that are in our nation? How do you come up with a scheme to counter the scheme? You can't because you're not a schemer. You trust in the name of the Lord our God. He said in quietness and trust is your salvation. And everything inside me wants to lock and load and roll out. I hate that part. I don't want that. I want to live in a place that is that filled, compassion, heart of Jesus. And I am going to. I declare that over my life. So this is a place where I got to grow. We all got to grow. But in the meantime, I need to make sure the language that I soak myself in is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is the life that He speaks over me continuously. Because if it's anything else, this town's not lovely. (laughs) Right? This is supposed to be a lovely town. When people come in the gates, what does it say? They all glorified God. All. All. When you and I show up in a town, that might be our house. That might be our neighbor's house. That might be the grocery store. Wherever we show up, here's your destiny. That everyone in there is going to glorify God. Why? Because you walk in compassion. You walk in power. And you walk in governmental authority. So my heart today is super encouraged. And it's not super encouraged because of outside sources. It's super encouraged because Jesus helped me believe what he actually said. And then get to share it with you. Which like for me is like I believe it. Then I get to share it. I'm like I really believe it. (laughs) That's how he uses it. That's why he tells us share in all good things. That's why when Terry was sharing earlier. That's why we were all being built up. Because wasn't it just coming from Terry? It was coming through Terry. So Terry's getting wrecked on the inside. We're getting wrecked on the inside. And Jesus is just blessing the entire place. No matter who did it. No matter if it was you. Holy, holy, holy. Simple. 
Ginger, you get on your face. You are a breaker anointing. You have to keep doing that. You have to keep growing. You can never get into a place where you say, I can't repent today. I've repented too many times. Because you're the breaker. You're the one who breaks things loose so other people can get right in their heart. It's God's calling on your life. So don't ever get down or cast down by it. Continue to press into it. It's a beautiful thing for us to be able to just be a family that's like, hey, we're jacked up. Jesus, we need your blood. And your blood covers us. So we're actually not jacked up. We're actually perfected. Holy and righteous. So, you know, before there is ever a problem, there's already a solution. This is why God fools people. I don't know if you guys noticed. Maybe you've read your Bibles. He likes to have the Dax stacked against him. Get in. You got uh, too many guys. What? You have 30,000 guys. What are you doing, dude? Send some home. Okay. Who wants to go home? Right? You're down to 15,000. Oh, Lord, you just cut my army in half. You got way too many guys. Like, this, isn't, this, this battle is not going to work this way. All right, do this. God, I hardly have any. No, you still have too many guys. All right, Lord, I'm down to 300. Perfect. Let's go destroy an army. So the Lord is not, his arm is not short. And I want to say something else because I want to talk to us as a church and as myself and all of us. Prophetic integrity is very important. But it's not the law. So I've heard a lot of prophecy. And I think I've spoke some prophecy. It's actually passed through my own desires. And I believe some of the prophecy I've heard has passed through humans' desires. That's not prophecy. When you prophesy, you speak through his desire. When you prophesy, you speak his word before, whether it's good or bad in people's eyes. Whatever the word is, it's a prophetic word when it's Jesus disseminating something to his friends. And I just want to challenge us to be cautious of just running around with prophecy that we receive. That we are careful not to simply, and I'm talking to myself, I don't want my desires to ever taint what I, want the, what the, what I believe the Lord wants me to say. But here the thing is, when it happens, I'm not condemned. When it happens, it means I need more practice. So when I prophesy and my human desire comes through it, God isn't telling me to stop prophesying. He's saying to me, refine your prophetic gift through my heart. Come away with me. Learn my heart. Listen to what I say. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Let wisdom and let in your gaining get understanding and then release that word. And every, as I grow in it, I'm not telling people don't prophesy. And I'm telling you, Keep drawing away with him so we can prophesy. Because you watch. Mark my words. Prophets will come out and there'll be opposite prophecies of what they said on the front side of this thing. And here's, and here's why I say that. The Bible says beware of the communication that you listen to. And why will they do that? Some people prophesy because they want a name. 
Mm-hmm. And they want recognition. And some people prophesy what the itching ears, what they think the itching ears want to hear, because that will, that will be a benefit to them. Let us walk as a church. Let us walk as people who prophesy on a daily basis, who operate in the prophetic continuously, who never shy away from a word you believe is from the Holy Spirit. But as we grow in it, let us be cautious with our ears to bring everything back to the Holy Spirit. Everything back to the Word of God. Everything back to the, the simple question. Did what I hear require the blood of Jesus and faith? And if it did, and it is in keeping with the Word, run with it. But if any of those pieces are missing or they're, over, they're not there, just toss it away. Here's the thing. If you toss away prophecy the Lord wants you to have, He'll bring it back. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you go, somebody's giving you a word over your life, you're like, oh, pff, forget that. Well, if it was really from Him, guess what's going to happen? Boom, it's going to show back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, throw it away. Is that, boom, it shows back up. Just be cautious you don't harden your heart, right? Yes. So... I just, I just want us to walk in this place today of encouragement, strength, the place of language and eyes and ears. What are we putting in? What are we believing? And the only thing we can believe in is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only thing that we know is that people's hearts are much more important than governments. And that Jesus said the government's sitting on his shoulders. No matter who's on top or on the bottom. It's really on his shoulders. So I hope you guys are encouraged. Don't let, don't let all this other stuff shake you. Like, who's there doesn't determine whether or not you're supposed to love your neighbors yourself tomorrow. Who's there doesn't determine whether or not you should get alone with Jesus today. Who's here or there or where doesn't determine the fact that you should lay hands on the sick tomorrow and see somebody healed. You should prophesy over somebody and see them encouraged and strengthened. Our marching orders don't change. Period. Praise Jesus. He said, go to the towns called Lovely and release Lovely. Release Lovely. And that's what you guys did this morning. Praise Jesus. Please.